1: Hello, listeners. Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, a service that you can use to find native speakers and qualified English teachers for online lessons and conversations. Go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk to get started. And when you make your first purchase, because you're a listener to this podcast, italki will reward you with 100 free lesson credits. That's equivalent to about... Uh, $10 of English lessons free. To get that offer go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or just click on one of the italki logos that you'll find on my page and if you really want to fast track your English to fluency you can do it by talking to native speakers on italki. Okay right so now let's get started with this new episode of Luke's English Podcast and here it is now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you? How are you doing? Hope you're fine. I hope you're well, wherever you are in the world and uh, whatever you happen to be doing at this moment. Joining me on the podcast today is Ollie Richards, a polyglot who speaks eight languages. Um, Ollie has some very motivating and practical advice on how to learn languages as an adult. There's so much to learn from Ollie in this episode, so I really want you to pay attention and have a proper think about the ways in which you are learning English. I realise that I really sound like a teacher at this point, don't I? Or your dad or something, you know? Now, pay attention, sit up straight, put that down, stop fidgeting, listen to the man This is very important for your English in the future. So yes, I sound like your dad or a teacher or something at the beginning, just because I'm trying to get you to pay attention to this episode because I think it's going to be a good one. Um, So what I've personally taken away from this episode is the importance of making a commitment to yourself about your language learning. Commitment is really important for giving you the motivation to get things done and to add language learning habits into your lifestyle. Commitment, motivation, habit, positivity. These are some of the vital elements for language learning. It's also about being honest with yourself about what you're doing to really push your learning forwards. It's about taking responsibility for learning and finding your own little strategies for adding language learning into your daily routine. Ollie is a living example of how it really is possible to learn languages as busy adults. Um, If you listen until the end of this episode, then you'll hear me make a commitment to myself about my French. And it's a good feeling because I really need to get a grip on that because my French is not as good as I would like it to be. So you'll hear Ollie encourage me to make a commitment about my French, but also Ollie and I invite you to make a commitment about your English too. Even a small commitment and just write it in the comments section of this episode. I'll talk uh, more about that in a moment, but first let me tell you a bit about Ollie Richards as an introduction to the guest that I have in this episode. So so here are some things that, first of all, people say about language learning. Here are some kind of common things that you hear people saying about uh, language learning. So people say that English people are no good at learning languages. So yeah, English people are no good at learning languages, right? Well, no, wrong. They also say that to learn a language quickly, you need to be a child. You need to grow up learning that language. Well, that's wrong too, apparently. Another thing people say is that the best way to learn is by signing up to group classes in a language school. Well, no, not necessarily. Also, it's often said that to learn language properly, Uh, you need to be living in the country where that language is spoken, but that might not be the case, in fact. And a lot of people say, I'm too busy to learn a language, I don't have time, and I never meet any native speakers. Well, that might not be uh, a reason either. That might just be an excuse. Um, And, yes, another thing people say is this, I'm just no good at languages, I think I'm language-proof. So, don't say that to yourself and also don't make excuses there are a lot of excuses out there and reasons why we find it difficult to learn english and it's the same for me in french sometimes i say um that my french is just not improving it's not getting better but my excuses are improving all the time i'm getting better and better at making excuses i'm very fluent in exclu- in, in exclusives i'm very fluent in exclusives i am quite fluent in exclusives as well Because, you know, I like to bring you exclusive content on Luke's English Podcast. But I'm also quite fluent in excuses when it comes to uh, my French. And, you know, so all of us, really, we often make excuses about our French. But also uh, about our French, about any language. Um, Probably in your case, it might be English. I don't know. Do you? Honestly, do you make excuses to yourself about your English? Possibly. so, it's not just excuses, but also it's about these myths that people have about learning a language, like the fact that, you know, you can't do it as an adult, or that you need to be living in another country to be able to do it. Well, these things are not necessarily true. They may just be myths. Now, keep listening, all right, because um, uh, that's what this episode is all about, amongst other things. Now, Ollie Richards. Ollie is proof, is living proof that English people, just like any other nationality, are perfectly capable of learning a foreign language to a proficient level. In fact, Ollie is a polyglot, which means that he can speak lots of different languages. In fact, at the moment, Ollie can speak Spanish, French, Italian, Brazilian Portuguese, Japanese, Cantonese and Arabic. That's not bad for a guy from England, a country where most people just speak one language – And some people struggle even with just one language, to be honest, especially after a few drinks. So what's the story with Ollie? Is he just a specially gifted person? Was he born with the language gene? Or does he have the force? You know, is the force strong with him or something like that? Does he have just way more time in the day than anyone else? Did he go to some really brilliant language schools and follow the amazing methods of a language guru? Or did he just learn these languages as a child by growing up in different countries? Well, the answer to all of these questions seems to be no. No, he isn't. No, he wasn't. He doesn't. He didn't. Uh, no, in all those cases. In fact, Ollie says that he doesn't have a particular gift for language acquisition. He wasn't born with a language gene. He doesn't really like learning in a classroom environment. So he didn't just attend some great classes in other languages. And these days, he has a very busy schedule, just like the rest of us, with his job and also the great work that he does on his website, IWillTeachYouALanguage.com. So it's not like he's got acres of spare time at his disposal. Also, Ollie didn't learn any of these languages as a child. They've all been learned during adulthood. So how has he done it? How has he managed to learn Lots of languages, and how did he how does he keep them all in his head at the same time? What are the techniques for effective language learning as an adult? and also what's Ollie like as a person, and what stories can he tell us? That is essentially what you're going to get in this episode. all those answers and more. Uh, you'll also hear. Ollie give me a much needed motivational boost about my French. In fact, while talking to Ollie, as I mentioned earlier, I made a commitment to myself to improve my French in one simple way every day. And that is simply to do a minimum of 10 minutes of study from my French textbook every evening. That's it. It's not a big commitment, but it's a starting point. It doesn't sound like much, but I think it's a, a beginning, and I really believe that if I make that a really fixed daily habit, it could make all the difference to my French. It's just a little starting point. And you can do it too, but with English, of course, not French, obviously, unless you're also learning French, in which case, yes, you could do it too. In fact, in this episode, we invite you to make a simple commitment to yourself about learning English today today and to write that in the comments section. So make a little commitment to yourself about learning English. Could be a small thing. And share it with us. Write it in the comments section. And Ollie has said that he himself would be glad to respond to your comments in the comments section of this episode, and to give you some encouragement and other uh, words, okay? So listen until the end of this conversation to find out more about that. Okay, so it's now time to start the conversation with Ollie Richards, the professional English polyglot who has tons of advice on how to learn languages as an adult. Okay, ready? Right, let's go. So hi Ollie, how are you doing? Great to talk to you, Luke. I'm doing well. Uh welcome to Luke's English Podcast. Fantastic to be here. You're in London at the moment, aren't you? Yep, yeah, I am. It's a grey cold, rainy day in London like every other day. It's it's a grey cold rainy day here in Paris too. So um, you know we, we don't in Paris we get pretty much the same weather that that uh, you get in London. But London gets the bad reputation.
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We we're very we're very close. I think actually, I'm closer to Paris than I am to to Scotland. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not uh, the tropics, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: What are you doing these days? Because I mean, you've you travel around a lot. You, you seem to be involved in so many different projects. What's going on at the moment? Yeah, well, so I've um, I have a blog, as you know, it's called I Will Teach You
0: a Language, and um, that's really the, the the main thing that I work on. So I I write articles about um, learning foreign languages, and that's the main thing that I do. Um, and of course, off that, I have a YouTube channel where I make videos of various things and I have a podcast as well. And I have all these different things going on, but still really the main thing that I like to do every week is is write articles helping people to find better ways of of learning languages. Um recently we started doing a lot of uh, live workshops, so we've uh, been running workshops in London and New York recently. Um I'm trying to set up a lot of a lot of cool language events in London to trying to, you know, get people involved. Um, Build a community of people mm. out there who want to find better ways of learning languages.
1: I've, I've heard on your podcast uh, you talk about the Polyglot Pub. Yeah, uh, what's the Polyglot <laughs> Pub all about? Because obviously, so the, I'm, I love the sound of that because of, partly because of the word pub. Um, yeah, uh, but also the whole well, putting the word polyglot in front of it. I imagine beer and numerous languages. What, what happens in the Polyglot Pub?
0: Yeah, so the Polyglot Pub is an event that I started very recently. Uh, only We only started in November last year. And the idea behind the Polyglot Pub is to have a place where people who are interested in learning languages can come and meet other people who also like languages. Now, in places like in London and I'm sure in Paris as well, and all around the world, there are always lots of language exchange events, right? If you want to go and practice your French or whatever, you can go to a, like a meetup and practice your French. Polyglot pub is not really a language exchange. Um what it is is a place for people who love languages to come together and talk about languages. And so we go to a pub
1: and we talk about languages. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> so, okay, so you're a polyglot. Um now how many languages do you actually speak then, Ollie?
0: <laughs> so, I I speak eight languages to various levels. Um one of the things about learning lots of languages is is it's uh it's kind of quite difficult to juggle, you know. So you, you kind of have one language that you get very good, and then you start to focus on other languages, and they kind of drop, the other ones drop down. And so it's always a kind of a balancing act. But um, yeah, I, I, I know eight languages.
1: Okay. So what's your, what's, your, what's your best language? What's your favorite language, let's say?
0: Uh, it's, it's such a difficult question. I mean, the languages that I'm most comfortable in are probably uh, Spanish and Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Um, which I consider myself totally fluent in um, uh, I'm, my, i also uh, my French and my Japanese are also very good i wouldn't i wouldn't call myself uh, totally fluent in those languages but oh. you know I can do everything I need to do in the, in those languages and then um, I also speak uh, japan uh, Cantonese and Arabic which are you know work in progress i can i can have you know confident conversations in those languages, but they're not they 're not perfect mm. uh, and then Italian 's a funny one because Italian I used to speak it very well, but then, through all the different places i 've been living in the last few years i haven 't really uh, done any practice so Italians a language that I understand a lot of, but speaking i 'd need a, a good few
1: weeks to get it back and unrust right yeah uh, unrust my, my italian chops so that was let me just go through that again, so that was Spanish, Portuguese, French. Uh, Japanese, um, uh, Cantonese, Arabic, and Italian, and, and, and sort of Italian's the one that needs a bit of work at the moment.
0: Italian's yeah. the one that I would, uh, yeah, that I would, uh, I couldn't really with a straight face say that I could uh, speak it really well right now. Uh, and then English, of course, which I have been known
1: to speak um, from time to time. You're quite good at English, I have to say, as a, that's my professional opinion. But uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, now. Um, so I, it's it's mind-boggling to me, right, because, um, you know, I, I, I'm i a typical English person. I just speak English, okay, um, which is I think is fairly typical. Uh, you know, people say about English people that they don't learn other languages, or maybe that they even can't. They're not very good at learning other languages. You seem to be an exception to that rule. Um, and so it's mind-boggling to me that you can have these complicated, diverse languages all sort of in your brain at the same time like um i mean i lived in japan for a couple of years and so i learned a little bit of japanese and now when i try and speak japanese after living in france for a couple of years it, it all comes out french yeah like my japanese is all french yeah. it's almost like my now i may be wrong but it feels like my brain is only able to to hold one and a half languages i'm sure that's not true i mean you, you you're proof that it's not true so how yeah, do you so hold- here's the thing mm,
0: yeah it is the thing because because everybody has the same the same problem. It's a, it's a perfectly normal thing to happen and I think what people don't realize is that actually one the f- one one thing is to learn a language another thing is to be able to use that language at the same time as another so I remember when i when I first started when I first learned Spanish I got I was living in London and I, I spoke I learned Spanish to a good level. And then I spent some time in Brazil and I learned Portuguese. And uh, you know, it was it was kind of easy to learn Portuguese after Spanish because they're very similar languages. Mm. But then I remember one day I went back to London and I met my Spanish friend and we were just starting to chat in Spanish and I couldn't speak. Like it was just Portuguese coming out of my mouth. Right. And I was I was really shocked because only a few months earlier my Spanish was like really, really good. And suddenly it was only Portuguese coming out of my mouth, just like your example with the Japanese and French, right? But I think because I I knew that my Spanish was good, I knew that I can't – surely I can't have just lost it. And so over the months that followed, I, I spent a lot of time working on both Spanish and Portuguese and using them at the same time. So I was kind of fortunate. I was living uh, – I was in London and I – I had a lot of friends who were musicians and they played uh, Brazilian music. And so I'd go out to these these bars and these pubs and there would be Brazilians there and there would be lots of South Americans there, are people from Spanish-speaking countries. Mm. And so I could pr- – like almost every day I would be practicing using Spanish and Portuguese at the same time, uh, switching from one to the other. And – it took a bit of time, but after a, after a couple of months I was then very very comfortable switching between Spanish and Portuguese and I didn't forget either of them. So what I learned from that experience was that to to speak to use two languages at the same time is almost like learning another language. Hmm. Because you have to do you just have to learn to separate them in your mind. And if you just kind of leave it up to up to chance and you say, well, I'll just, you know, uh, I'll just see what happens. That's when you get into trouble. You really have to, you know, when you when you speak two, three, four, or more languages, you really have to regularly practice them so that you can keep them separate in your brain. Okay, so it's just about regular practice. It is really, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but practice at
1: using them both together. You know, it, 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 mm-hmm. it, it's 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 tricky. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what the brain can do, isn't it? I suppose we, you know, we don't really uh, tap all of the potential of our minds. And if you work on it, we can, you know, you can achieve so many things. I mean, I guess it's part of that, isn't it? Yeah.
0: A lot of it's about just being intentional. It's about intentionality. And I think for a lot of people, they, they, they would really like to learn another language, but they don't really put in the effort. Mm. Now, a lot of people like going to the gym. So they'll go after work every day, they'll go to the gym and they'll spend 45 minutes or an hour in the gym four or five times a week other people like going to the pub and drinking other people like sitting and reading books if you want to learn a language and become good at it you have to work at it every day and it really is a lifestyle choice so but i think for a lot of people they they kind of think that they should just they should just kind of pick it up naturally you know so you went to japan and you 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 saw how difficult it is to learn learn japanese mm-hmm. um you know, I don't know how much you you really worked at it and studied uh, on a not, regular basis. Not that
1: much. I did take some lessons. I You know, I had a book which I kind of didn't look at very much. <laughs> I used to hang out with Japanese people uh, and I used to play dart. Actually, the, the, the time when I learned most Japanese was when I was playing darts in the local bar with my japanese friends i used to go there right. every like you know it was sunday evening it was basically friday evening for me cuz mondays and tuesdays were my day off but i used to go down there and drink cocktails and play darts and i i learned the language of how to play darts that's it i can play darts in japanese yeah, i don't well, think that- I can't anymore, actually, because it's been so long. But I used to be able to, you know, count all the numbers up to 180. And I used to be able to, you know, make fun of my friends and say, oh, you're rubbish. You know, you can't throw. And uh, that was close. And I won and you lost. And all, you know, just the basic things you need to play dart.
0: Uh, but, well, that's a yeah. great example of how when you do something regularly and intentionally, you, you learn. Mm. Right? But most people don't do that. They kind of expect to just pick it up naturally. To, to learn a language quickly and to learn it well, you have to really be intentional and say, right, every day I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to you – know, whatever your strategy or your method is, it has to be something you do every day. And, you know, I've, I've been – I started learning languages when I was 19 – or 1920. Yeah. Okay. So before that, I didn't, I didn't know any languages. I'm kind of a, a late starter. I didn't have languages around me as a, as a, as a kid. I started when I was nineteen twenty years old, but I've spent a lot of time doing it. You know, I, I spend time every single day learning one language or another. And so, you know, it's not easy. It's not something that's just, I don't, I don't consider it to be a, a talent, a natural talent. I yeah. consider it to be the product of hard work, mm. And, you know, that's whenever we, and, you know, we might get into this later, perhaps, but, you know, whenever people um, ask me, you know, wh- how do you do it? Or what should I do to learn a language? Well, my first question is, well, how oft- how much time do you spend on it? Yeah. And invariably, the answer is, well, not very much. Yeah. And, and that's the answer. You know, people don't generally put in the time to learn.
1: Mm-hmm. There are so many questions that I have to ask you. I think it's an absolutely fascinating subject and I'm very impressed with what you do. Before we go through some of those questions, let, let me hear some of the languages that you can speak. Can you just give us a blast? I mean, you can say whatever you want. Just, you know, I suppose sure. the usual thing is to introduce yourself with a couple of sentences. Um, just give us a blast of some of those languages, if you want. No would.
0: problem, بس, uh... أنا 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 أنا, أنا سعيدة جدا بتكلم to أنا bah bah oui le podcast c'était ac on a attaqué dans quoi qu'est-ce qu'il donne merci pour l'invitation c'est un uh, plaisir parler avec toi aujourd'hui muchas gracias por haberme invitado uh, uh, intentamos hacerlo hace un par de meses uh, no era posible pero me alegro que lo podemos hacer hoy ça s'entête quoi de toi domo arias so Uh, what's next?
1: (laughs) That Uh, was so uh, let me guess. That was Arabic, then was that Arabic first? Arabic first, then French, uh, then no, then uh, oh, there was something in
0: between Arabic and (laughs) French, Spanish. There was Arabic, uh, Spanish, um, French, Japanese, right? Maybe not in that order.
1: Arabic, French, Spanish, uh, uh, Japanese, and uh, a bit of Portuguese or Italian,
0: no, not yet. No, Uh, Portuguese. uh, uh, eh uh, que que posso dizer é uh, é meio estranho falar a mesma coisa assim <laughs> em vários idiomas diferentes mas eu eu tô muito feliz eh uh, estar aqui hoje com você e eh kanjele gongtong a do zai ting wo shang ni de zimo eu gosto gosto nego nego podcast tá muito and uh wow uh, that's so that cool was, that
1: sounded that amazing it was,
0: was portuguese and and, uh, and cantonese Right, okay.
1: What but what were you saying there then basically?
0: Uh kind thanks for having me on the show. It's cool to talk to you. Uh we've been trying to do it for a while and it's great to um to finally be on here. And uh I also said it's a bit strange to try to think of something to say in in uh, one language after the next. Yeah.
1: Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah. Fantastic that is. It that's... is
0: it is I have to say it is actually very hard to kind of to switch between lots of different languages. Mm. Like, it's one of the hardest things actually because because um, it, it's kind of a natural question for people to ask. Oh, say something in all your languages. Yeah. But actually, um, to to say something coherent and to be able to kind of switch your mindset yeah. like that from one language
1: to the next is really really hard. Yeah. It would it would probably be a lot more natural to just engage you in conversation for a couple of minutes in each language. And
0: yeah, yeah, it, exactly. It, it's that's, very that's, r-
1: yeah. it's very rare that you have to just sort of switch between all the languages like that, unless someone has said, "Go on, then show us your languages." Which is people probably do that to you sometimes. I expect
0: they they, they do, and um, and it's always funny. But I, you know, I understand. You kind of you have to kind of
1: smile and say, "Sure, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's there. You go, listeners. You heard all the languages. Um, no Russian in there. Russian is
0: um, one for further down the line. I yeah, think. yeah. That's I'd love the- to. I'd love to speak Russian, but it's just you know. I think one of the one of my when I do learn a language, I always have to have a very good reason for it, and that 's another important thing you know uh, mm. so when I lived in Japan, I learned Japanese, and when I had a bunch of Brazilian friends, I learned Portuguese uh, that's for me is like one of the big motivating factors that keeps me keeps me going and um, yeah, Russian is a language i don 't really have any particular connection to, so yeah. I probably wouldn 't start to learn it until I had that connection
1: so if you for example, if you decided to go and spend some time in Moscow then suddenly russian would creep up the up the list but it's on the to-do list i suppose
0: yeah moment. i mean i think the the next the languages i would really like to learn would be german russian and thai mm-hmm. those would be my my those would be on my on my wish
1: list if you like yeah okay um so all right so there we are we heard some of your languages now so what's your story then you said you started learning languages at 19 or 20 years old uh, yeah. what's what's the what's the story then how, how tell us how you've gone from not speaking any languages as a 19 year old to being um, you know a polyglot now
0: yeah so it's um it's a very very organic uh organic story really i and a number of things happened and that all kind of came together and I often think, actually, if one of these things hadn't occurred, maybe I would have never have um, have learned them. So mm. I was—I uh, just finished my first year at university. I was doing a degree in music, of all things. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, one day, turned around and said, "I don't want to be with you anymore." And now I've been with her for two years, and um, as a nineteen-year-old, I don't know if you remember what it's like <laughs> to be nineteen, Luke. But <laughs> it was—it was hard. I took it yeah. badly. I took it badly, and I actually—I actually left university. So I took. I decided to take a gap year from university mm-hmm. and um, I was in London and I was you know I was really not I was upset you know I wasn't in a very good place and so I decided to go and get a job in a cafe and for any of you guys who know London I decided to go and work in this my favourite cafe in London which is called Cafe Nero Yeah. and so there I was 19 years old working in Cafe Nero thinking what on earth am I doing with my life I've just quit university and I'm working in a cafe what's going on um, and then I started to look around and I realized that I was working with people from all over the world in working in that cafe there with me were people from France, from Italy, from Japan, from, uh, Germany, from Sweden. And I realized that all these guys were in the UK speaking English with me. And in many cases speaking French and Spanish and Italian with each other. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. How are they, how are they able to do that? And very quickly I started to want to speak to them in their languages. So my, my Italian friend, Claudio, I, I started to think, well, I'd really, you know, he's a, he's a cool guy. We're good friends. I'd really like to be able to speak to him in Italian. And then, um, you know, someone else from Sweden, lots of different people. And, and so I started to just get interested in the idea of being able to communicate with people in their language. So I, Bought a couple of books, and I think I started trying to learn French and Italian. Didn't get very far, and then one day I didn't want to work in the cafe anymore. And I got on a train and I bought a one-way
1: ticket to Paris. I don't know why. Sounds just... sounds familiar, Ollie. That does really yeah, that idea?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy thing to do. It's the kind of thing you can only get away with when you're 19. But I did it, and I went to Paris, and I um, stayed in a youth hostel and. Somehow I managed to get a job working, in a, working in, on, the res, on the reception in a youth hostel near Montmartre. And, wow. um, and so there I was, 19 years old, in Paris, with a job. It's totally crazy now that I think about it. But obviously, you know, having a job there and being in Paris, I started to learn French and I started to study hard. And within six months or so, my, you know, my French was pretty good. And so I thought, huh, that's pretty cool. I've managed to learn, learn French. What's next? And there were lots of Italians around in the youth hostel where I was working. So I bought an Italian book and I started studying Italian. And then I went to spend a few weeks in Italy um, with my friend from the the cafe in London and um, learned some Italian. And then went back to London and met my best friend who was, was Spanish. Started learning Spanish with him and on and on and on and um, kind of one language after the next. Once every year or two, I'd start to pick up something, something new, hmm. and that that was it. Really, kind of from after that point, after I'd spoken, after I'd learned two or three languages, I, I realized that it can be done, and I really enjoy this. It's really cool to to talk with other people in their languages, and so then, really, that's just defined the my life since moving to different countries and um, doing everything I can to learn the language. Did you finish the music degree? I did. Did luckily I uh, I went back and I finished I did three more years of the music degree and I'm pleased I did cuz well you know it's good to have that piece of paper yeah absolutely
1: what well, by the way what do you play
0: so my main instrument is piano and I, so my degree was in jazz piano so I can you
1: know I'm wow. pretty good on the old uh the old ivories that's fantastic has that helped you
0: in your language learning at all a lot of people ask that it's a very very common question and I don't know is the answer. I think the obvious benefit for me is in, is in the accent. And I think a, a lot of people tell me that I have quite a good pronunciation in my various languages. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a result of spending many years playing music. Cause I can hear, um, I can hear, I think I'm good at hearing the sounds of the language. And when you, when all these different languages, uh, you have these different natural expressions, like the in, in Arabic and the, mm. There's a French kind of um, shrug.
1: There's a a certain (laughs) placement when you say words in French, like the way that it's it's not just the words on their own, but there's something about the way that you physically deliver the words. Yeah, no,
0: exactly. Which is a bit like
1: performing music in a way, you know, it's a, a question of finding the. Using your voice as the instrument to to deliver the the, the words, you know, it's something, exactly. some connection. It's a bit of a sketchy connection, but there is something there.
0: Well, and every language has that. You know, in Spanish, you have this very kind of narrow. You know, it's very kind of flat language, right? And then, but in but in Brazilian Portuguese. It's much more lyrical when the Braziler fa falam é it's tipo que nem uma música sabe subindo desse jeito. And so like I think uh, having that many years of experience with music really
1: helped me with pronunciation. Right, yes. Okay. So okay, French in France, Italian in Italy. Studying with 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 a textbook and surrounded by French and Italian people, what happened next? Because I understand that next the next challenge was to see if you could learn a language without being in the country and surrounded by the people, right?
0: Right. Yeah. So I went back to London and um, and I went back to university and, my, and I made very good friends with a Spanish guy, and um, now he won't mind me saying this, but at the time his English was terrible, <laughs> and. Um, I didn't, I didn't, but and so was my Spanish. I didn't speak any Spanish. Yeah. But the thing is like it was, it was him against me basically is how quickly could he learn English and how quickly could I learn Spanish and oh, I won. So I, I got to a point where I could speak Spanish better than his English, mm-hmm. um, which which isn't saying much because his English <laughs> wasn't very good. But um, the point is that I was able then, because we were best friends, I was able to spend every day in Spain speaking uh, sorry in london speaking Spanish right, and it was as if you know if I'd been living in Spain, I would have had this a very similar um environment you know so that was that was it was it was i was it was very very fortuitous I was lucky to have that that those circumstances but i I really made the most of them and and learn to speak Spanish. And it was the same with Portuguese. So I then met some, some Brazilians who became very good friends and I started learning uh, Brazilian
1: Portuguese in exactly the same way um, in London. So is that not just something about London, though, that it's such a multicultural place that you can learn languages there because you can find people in those communities in London? What about if you're in a place where you have no access to native speakers of that language? What do you yeah,
0: think? It, it's a great question. Um, so here's the thing. Back in the day when I was learning Portuguese and Spanish in London, I used uh, native speakers because I was, I, I was at university. I had lots of free time. I had lots of people around me. That was cool. These days I still learn languages all the time, but I do it mostly online. Yeah. So I use um, my favorite uh, teaching service, which is called italki and I get um, lessons with, um, with native speakers and we just simply chat on, on, on Skype mm. and the reason I do that is because it's so convenient. Mm. I don't have to travel. I don't have to get on the tube and travel across London for forty-five minutes, and then sit and spend two hours in a cafe with them, and then travel back, which takes half the day. Yeah. You know, I don't need to do that anymore. I can just turn on. I can schedule my le- my sessions in advance, and I can just sit and chat on Skype like we're doing right now. And this is pretty cool. Right? Yeah. I mean, it would be nicer, sure, to be face to face in a cafe, but it it's, it's not, pretty good. It's not that different really. It's not all that different. And, um, and so, so yeah, so now that's my preferred like it, daily strategies, having these lessons online. I, yeah. I also do like to meet people face to face when I can. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's that's the answer to the question. Like it's wherever if you if you're living on Mount Everest, as long as you've got an internet connection, <laughs> Good you, know, you could learn any language in the world just by having these these sessions on on Skype.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm I'm on iTalki as well, and uh, I can have French lessons on iTalki. There's loads of French. They're really easy to find the teachers, and it's kind of funny because I'm in France, surrounded by French people, but in a way. It's still, it's kind of easy just to go online and and you know schedule a lesson. I don't even need to leave the house. I don't even need to put some trousers on. I can just do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I should be wearing trousers, uh, but um, this is you know, this is what,
0: a video chat with your teachers, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as the camera is facing in the right place, then it doesn't matter. But anyway, the point is that yeah, it's really convenient. Uh, okay. Well, when I was
0: when I was living in Egypt. Um, fast forward a few years when I was in Egypt last year, again, surrounded by Arabic speakers. How did I have my lessons? On Skype, because it's simply more convenient and easier.
1: Right. Okay.
0: So it's, no, it's not an excuse. You know, it's, a, it's a very common thing. Oh, I don't have native speakers around me. Yes, you do. You just have to get online and uh, and, and find them.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so after having learned these languages, you then decided to sort of set up uh, your website, which yeah. is com and uh so, just how long have you been doing that? Uh, about two and a half years now,
0: getting on for almost somewhere between two and two and a half years
1: yeah, okay and so basically on 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 the website, what do you do what what what's the sort of primary thing that you do uh, with the website?
0: so with the website it well, the website and the podcast is um is kind of similar, so my main aim is to show people well i guess i do two things i show people how i'm learning languages so if you go to the website to iwillteachyoualanguage.com you'll see videos of me showing you how i'm studying every day and also some other cool videos of me speaking various languages in various places um so i kind of show you how i do that and and then when people write in with questions and when i see that people are struggling with a particular thing i'll write about that so um it's it's really just you know Talking from my experience of learning myself and also working with people, like what do you need to know to learn a language quickly? Mm. And then with the "I will teach you a language" podcast, it's it's similar. But what I do is I answer people's questions directly. So if you have a question about language learning, like you know, how do I get a, a good accent in English, or how do I use phrasal verbs, or whatever, mm. then pe- people send me their questions, and I simply answer them on the show. It's very it's very short. It's only about ten minutes. Um, but yeah, the, but the principle is the same Is I'm taking people's questions and things that they want to know and helping them and showing them
1: how to how to learn languages quickly. Yeah, I, I listen to your podcast and uh, I find it very useful for just giving me encouragement and giving me sort of the, the, the kind of mental strategies for learning French because um, I just need that. Th- those those little tips and those bits of advice on you know what i sh- what i should be doing and it's just practical stuff as well because i mean we'll, we may talk about my french in a bit and i i, I <laughs> might ask you for some advice but uh, sure. generally i find the podcast useful just as a bit of an encouragement and just a, a sort of achievable set of of strategies that that i can apply to learning uh and i i recommend you to my students too because i have french students who you know i'm, I'm always trying to persuade them that they need to spend more time studying English than just the time they spend in the classroom. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I do recommend your, your podcast as well. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. It's the it's I Will Teach You a Language uh, podcast, and you can find that on iTunes or other other podcast software, I guess. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Whatever you use to listen to podcasts, whether it's Stitcher Radio or, or iTunes, just type in I Will Teach You a Language, and uh, it should
1: pop right up. Okay. Um, So I I just wonder if you've got any kind of top tips for improving your language level in any language. Do you have any top tips that you could share with us? It really depends who I'm talking to.
0: Um, Because, you know, if you're a beginner, then you have a certain set of things to do. And Mm -hmm. then if you're more advanced or you'll kind of maybe hit a plateau then you have another set of things to do um in e- in in any case it usually comes down to focusing on a couple of core things so should we maybe get, could we maybe go through a couple of scenarios and then okay
1: I- i'll give you a scenario let's imagine that you are in a in a country where you don't have much access to native speakers but you listen to luke's english podcast uh regularly um um and your english is a pretty is at a pretty good level uh, you're you're certainly sort of upper intermediate for example but you need to find ways of becoming more fluent more confident and improving your pronunciation sort of pushing it to an advanced or proficient level so breaching the intermediate plateau from 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 abroad
0: all right so if, in terms of the intermediate plateau in particular for me there's two things i mean you've 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 mentioned on one side, there is the question of speaking and confidence. And how do you become a more confident speaker with better pronunciation? And then on the other side, there is there is overcoming the intermediate plateau. And I see those as slightly different questions. Mm-hmm. Um so let's deal with them one by one. So the first thing is how do you become more confident? Well, simply you have to speak more. Mm-hmm. Right, this is there's there's no it's a very simple equation. If you want to become more confident speaking English, you have to speak more. And so there are a number of ways of doing it, but I'll give you the, I'll give you the free way because you can always pay people to to speak to and to you know to 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 talk to online. But let's say you're in you're living in I don't know where, where is a do you know where a lot of your listeners are, are living right now? Yeah, right? I
1: mean I've got uh, uh, top countries tend to be Japan, Russia, Poland, Spain, um, Italy. Okay. Uh, well, let's say
0: Japan as a as a as as like, as, as a, as an example. So in Japan, if you're a Japanese person and you're listening to this, you have one thing that many people want, which is Japanese. So you can very easily find a English speaking person online and you can do, you can set up conversation exchanges or language exchange or tandem, tandem partners, as they say in the, in the States. Yeah. Oh, and in Japan as well, actually a tandem,
1: really?
0: I think. Yeah. Um, and so what i would do is i would go to a site like conversationexchange.com okay or italki.com and i would say hey i'm a japanese person i want to practice english i can help you with japanese and then i would find people who are who are interested who are who look serious and then i would i'd ask them a few questions to make sure they are serious you know cuz the the problem with with language exchange is sometimes people they like the idea, but they're not very serious about it. So I would, you know, have a have a conversation, um, ask them a few questions to see how serious they are, and then start to set up regular conversations. You can spend an hour speaking in Japanese and an hour speaking in English. If you don't have that kind of time, then you can pay someone just to speak to. But then really, you, well, all you have to do is to aim to speak with people, ideally three or four times a week, and then you just keep that up. And what you'll find is that, if you're not speaking much English at the moment, then by starting to have these conversations three or four times a week, I guarantee you within a couple of months, your English will be totally transformed because you'll just have so much practice doing it. We can, we can get a lot more technical, different ways to improve your grammar and your vocabulary, but really, unless you're speaking regularly, you're not going to improve your confidence. Okay, so that's the number one thing. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you've got the intermediate plateau. So maybe you're again, let's say you're Japanese and you've been learning English for some time, um, but you're looking for, you, you feel like you haven't, you've stopped improving. You haven't really been, you not. you're not learning new things. Your English is the same as it's been for a long time. For me, there is one thing that helps you break through the intermediate plateau and that's reading. I think you need to read a lot because when you speak and when you listen to other people, generally you you only hear a very small percentage of the English language
1: mm-hmm.
0: we don't I mean we are both you know educated English speakers but when we're chatting we're using quite simple language you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you read books what happens is you get exposure to the entire range of the English language you start to learn more words more phrases you learn how to how to put, use the language in different ways more more articulate ways and so you what you're doing is although it's difficult you're kind of pulling yourself out of the of the rut that you've been in if you like you've been yeah. you're pulling yourself out of everything that you've been doing that you've got used to and saying right here let's look, let's read all this stuff let's look at different ways of using the language and by reading consistently, you're going to give yourself a completely different perspective of the language. So all in all, it's two things. It's first of all, having regular conversations, and then it's regularly reading things that you enjoy.
1: What about uh, what about listening, Ollie? Because uh, obviously, I, I do a podcast. I was hoping that you would go on about the amazing benefits of listening to Luke's well, podcast.
0: Yeah. But I mean, the thing is they're already your listeners, right? So, and right. they're already listening to your podcast every day, hopefully many times over Yeah, and sharing your podcast with their friends and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Listening is, listening is, is, is fantastic too. The, 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 the only thing is though, that listening by itself, a lot of people find it difficult to really know how to take advantage of it and learn from what they're listening to mm. because it's very fast. We're speaking at native native speed. Um, it's it's all in your ear. You know, you don't have a second chance to go back and, and listen to things normally. Yeah. And so the, for me, the benefit of reading is that you have the words there on the page. You can go back. You can take your time to to, to understand everything. There's no pressure. Um, the best thing of all, the, the, the number one best thing is to read and listen at the same time. So if you have an audio book, uh, a book with the audio version, um, like a, perhaps a you know you could you could get a, a, a buy a novel on Amazon and then you can get the audible version as well and then you can listen and read at the same time that's yeah. the best thing or maybe yeah. I, do you do transcripts for your podcast? A lot do?
1: of my podcasts have transcripts. Yeah, there's I don't know, more than fifty percent of the episodes have have transcripts. I think.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I definitely recommend your listeners to do is to go back and listen to those podcasts to 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 your podcasts and listen and then read at the same time. Do that. A lot. But again, like, if we're talking about becoming a confident speaker, really there's only one thing you need to be doing. Like, It's, it's speaking regularly three, four times a week. Until you do that, nothing else matters.
1: Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Um, now then, I, I was going to ask you about tech tools because you have a PDF download, like an ebook, with some recommendations about how people can use technology to improve their languages. Do you have any quick tech tools that you could recommend? Yeah, there's lots of,
0: yeah. So I have a guide, um, which is basically the 10 tools that I use to learn languages on a, on a, on a daily basis. And, um, maybe we can put a link to that um, in the show notes if people are are interested to find that. Um, there's, again, there's 10, so maybe we don't want to go through all of them, but, but really the thing that I like to use most regularly is flashcards, Now, flashcards are a funny thing because lots of people say, oh, flashcards are terrible. Flashcards don't work. Don't use flashcards. I hate flashcards. They're evil. But if you use them the right way, they have a few very, very big advantages. Okay, So what what I do, my process for using flashcards is like this. Typically, I have a lesson with my teacher. And in that lesson, I'm going to learn some new words, right? What I like to do is I like to take those new words and during the lesson I'll write them down in my notebook. But what's the problem with writing stuff down in your notebook?
1: You don't you don't read the notebook afterwards. Yeah, you don't
0: read the notebook. It's it's you know I've got hundreds of notebooks full of notes that I never ever read. Okay, so what I do is I take the notes from my notebook. And I put them in my flashcard application. And I, I like to use an app called Flashcards Deluxe. There are lots of other ones out there. Uh-huh. But flash, Flashcards Deluxe is my favorite because it's very simple, very easy to use. Now, <clears throat> what that now that I've got these in my these this new vocabulary in my flashcards, what that means is wherever I am, whether I'm waiting for the bus, whether I'm on the train, whether I'm on the sofa watching TV, at any time I can open up. I get my phone, I open up my app and I've got that new vocabulary there. Now I also like to use the flashcard system for kind of testing me on that vocabulary. Um, But you don't have to. Some people, some people don't like using space repetition. Um, Personally I do. It works well for me. Um, So whether you use the flashcard testing system or not, the important thing is that you keep like a record of your, all your new vocabulary on the flashcard app. And that is, it's, A very simple thing to do, but then, you know, many times a day you can just open up that app and quickly revise all this new vocabulary. And that is the number one way that you're going to help yourself actually remember and recall all of these new words. So
1: I would imagine, for example, people could, uh, I mean, like if we use my site as an example, often on episodes, I will put a little list of vocab that I've had in that episode. And then people can sort of select that text and import it into the app. And then create flashcards for the words, and I suppose what you do is you look at the, uh, the the flashcard in the target language, and you sort of play around with that word. I suppose you you might mentally create sentences or just sort of run the word through your brain in different tenses and so on. Is that right?
0: There's there's lots of different ways to to memorize. I mean, memorizing vocabulary is a huge topic, but mm. but yeah, I mean the what. What's going to work for most people the best is to use what they call mnemonics. Yeah. So you're you have a word, and then you try to you you do whatever you can to find a way of remembering that word. Um. And you know, there's word association. There's like lots of different. You can create yeah. images in your mind. There's many ways of doing it. Um. But yeah, you you need to look at the word and and find a way of remembering it. And what I like to do is actually put that word inside a sentence. Yeah. Um, So, you know, for example, to take French as an example, rather than having the word temps, if you wanted to learn the word temps, which means time, then, you know, if you just put that word on its own in your flashcard, your brain has got some work to do because it's just a a random abstract word. Yeah. Okay. But if instead of that, you put it in a sentence and you you put it in a sentence like, je n'ai pas le temps. I don't have time. Mm. Straight away, you've got all these other words to To kind of relate to the word. So you're not just, you don't just have this one single random word, but you have a sentence. You know what the sentence means. And what you'll find is those other words in the sentence help you to remember that word. Mm. So I like to put my vocabulary in sentences <clears throat> And then I like to actually memorise the sentence rather
1: than the word itself. And I find that to be a very, very productive, helpful way of learning. That's fascinating because that kind of confirms a lot of the things that we know about mnemonics, which is essentially like you take the new piece of information and you attach it to something that already exists. So that could be a physical memory, like a place that you know well, and you try and fit those new things into that place. You know, the memory palace idea uh, from Sherlock. Um, and then or in your case taking a sentence with words that you already know and sticking the new word in the sentence and remembering the whole sentence especially if it's meaningful especially if it's personalized or something that tends to work too Um, and I think that that's that's because physically in in the brain I mean I don't I'm not an expert on these things but I it seems to be that you're creating or you're linking new ideas to things that already exist so it, it, the brain is a system of connections sort of sent nervous the nervous system i'm 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 walking into a, a, an area that <laughs> i i really don't know anything about but it yeah. sounds like you know it's just it, uh, cr- doing that putting a, a word in to a context that you already know is does make sense because the brain also p- creates a, a pathway to that word you know it connect more the more connections there are in your brain the more likely you're you are to remember it
0: Yeah, like you say, this is a huge area of of neuroscience and um, and research into language acquisition as well, which Mm is um, you know it's it's very very interesting. I my experience is um, that a lot of this, a lot of the science behind it, is very very interesting, but often
1: doesn't have much of a
0: excuse me doesn't have much of a practical application for language learners because you can yeah go on go on this this is this is the problem with the language. Industry as a whole, you have a lot of people kind of doing research yeah. um, that is very disconnected from the reality of someone sitting in Japan trying to learn mm. English who doesn't really care about the research; they just want to do something that works, right? Yeah. And so, I've had big arguments with people who are very knowledgeable about the about research into language acquisition that have done a lot of research into, uh, for example, the way that we memorize vocabulary. Um, and my conclusions from all of this, um, and I know a fair bit about it as well. I've actually got a master's degree in, uh, in, in linguistics, so I, I've read a lot of this research myself. But from, from my experience, both reading the literature and actually practical language learning, I always find that really the most important thing to remember is not the science behind it. The most important thing is that, look, you are unlikely to remember a new word unless you really apply yourself and spend your energy coming up with a way of learning it. Mm. Most people will hear a new word. Maybe they've heard a new word on this podcast today and they think, oh, that's cool. I'll remember that. But they don't. To remember a word, you really have to concentrate. You have to look, sit down, in a quiet room, look at that word and think, okay, how am I going to remember it? And f- find a mnemonic device or a, a, an image of some kind to remember that word. And then, with that concentration, with that focus, that's how you're going to be able to reliably n- learn new words all the time. There's always a few words that you just remember like that, you know, which is cool when it happens, but we can't control it. We can't control when our brain will remember something or not. And so the number one most reliable way of memorising a new word is to sit down and come up with a strong association, anchor, link, whatever you want to call it, a strong way of, of remembering it for you personally.
1: Right. So what I often see with students is they have all their words written in a notebook and they've put translations next to them and they sit there preparing for their exam and they just look at the list and they're just kind of you know they're just reading through the list there's not really much of a uh, there's not much depth going on there they're not forcing those words into their minds with with you know these in-depth connections that you've just mentioned it's really interesting really great advice um now uh, i've got another question for you right so just a slightly different question um do you think that some people are language proof? And when I say that when the reason I ask that is because having worked as an English teacher for fifteen years you 've been an english teacher too you you you've you've worked as a, as a teacher as well i understand um, yeah. so having worked as an English teacher for fifteen years, you meet some people some some students and also some teachers uh certainly teachers who who Let's say they've had a bad student and they say this student is language proof. Like there's nothing we can do with this particular individual who's been at the school for a year. They've done everything that we, we've got. You know, um, they're language proof. Do you, do you agree with the idea that some individuals just for one reason or another can't acquire a second language?
0: Listen, I think it's undeniable that there will be some people for whom learning a language is simply not. Or how can we say very very challenging? Yeah, just like anything in the world. I mean, there are some people who 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 can't do maths, for example. There are some people who uh, who have dyslexia and they can't spell. Right.
1: Um,
0: there are some people who uh, who have all kinds of um, challenges for whatever reason or another. Yeah. But I think we have to assume that. Those are in the minority because we probably can't influence that. Okay, so we're, we're talking about people who are
1: who are. We're talking about learning difficulties and, and so on. You know things that are a barrier that prevent people from being able to to learn many things, not just language.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I mean, so assuming that that's not the case with these individual students that you're talking about, here's here's how I see this problem. As you say, I, I, I taught for many for many years. I, I'm I've got a lot of experience as a teacher. And here's the big difference between the students that I had in the language schools and me as a language learner. Mm. When I want to learn a language, it's all me. I'm motivated. I want to learn the language. I have responsibility for learning the language or not. But what a lot of people do Is And it's not their fault, because this is also the way that language schools tend to present themselves. And, you know, you can maybe tell me if you agree with this or not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a language school um, might present itself as the world's English experts, for example, just to pick a phrase randomly. And um, so it's to be expected that a student will see that and think, okay, these guys know how I'm going to learn English. These guys know how to teach me English so that I will learn and I'll speak English fluently. So what they do, they go to the school, they get out their checkbook, they write a check, or I guess swipe their credit card, and then they sign up for a class and they think, okay, I've paid the money, job done, I'm going to learn English now. Right. No. What happens here is like, for me, that person then is in potentially the worst position of all to learn English because what they've done is they've taken the responsibility for learning the language and they've yep. given it to someone else. Absolutely. They, and they say, Hi, here you go, Luke, you're the teacher, teach me English. Yeah. And, and this not- is, to- is totally the wrong way around. And a lot of the people who you, who you, you talk about who would be uh, language-proof or unteachable, I don't think it's their unteachable. I think they've simply shifted the responsibility over to another person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're treating uh, they are they're, they're treating language as a a subject that needs to be studied like maths or science or geography, but it's not what. So the role of a teacher for me, if you ask me, what should a great teacher do? A great teacher should show the learner how to learn, such that they don't need the teacher anymore. (laughs) Okay, like the the the, a teacher has been successful when the student no longer needs the teacher. And so for a lot of these students who are unteachable or, or language-proof, simply I think the, 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 the big thing that needs to happen is that they need to start taking the responsibility for learning themselves, use the teacher and the class as a resource for answering questions and things like that, but then they need to go away and practice and study in their own time outside the class.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I totally agree. I've always thought that. I find that the successful students that i meet in schools are the ones that realize the classes that they are attending are a sort of a a springboard or a launch pad for their own sort of self-guided learning that they do both that they um kind of use the classroom as a chance to check the stuff that they've already got going on in their mind and uh to to sort of confirm kind of quickly the things that they that they're already working out for themselves and uh and the, the bad students are the ones who turn up at the language school and, as you say, they think, right, job done. Here I am. All I need to do is be in the room and yeah. everything else is just going to slot into place. And that's just really far from, from the truth, that just being in the room is the absolute bare minimum. I think, to be honest, a lot of a lot of people that we meet in language schools, or some of them, uh have been sent there essentially by by someone else you know like they've got a parent or maybe an employer who said you need to study english you need to go and go into this room and uh you know contracts have been signed and money's been exchanged and stuff like that and so they think well i'll just be in the room and then my parents will be happy or i'll be in the room and my boss will be off my back yeah i think that if you if if any of my listeners are in that situation which I don't think they will be because if they're listening to this, they're probably switched on and they're probably the right kind of learner, I imagine. But if they are, they need to think, wait a minute, I, I, I can't. you can't learn a language to please someone else and someone else can't learn a language for you, right? Like, I, I've, I always want to say that to some of my students in class. It's like, I can't learn the language for you, Um you have to be doing most of the work, and that includes, you know, students who are too quiet or not engaged enough. I could go on about that for a long <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah,
0: but what, but basically, what you're what you're what you're what you're getting at is is motivation, which is one of mm-hmm. you know we commonly think of as one of the three key things that are necessary for <clears throat> a language to be learned is motivation. Uh, you cannot give anybody else the responsibility. You have to want it yourself, and you have to. You have to do the work, and you know if I if I was a, if I if I have someone, you know for example now I don't I don't give language lessons mm-hmm. because I don't find them effective. What I do sometimes is I, is language coaching. So somebody comes to me and says like Ollie I I really need to learn Spanish quickly. Um, what can I do? And then so I would ha- I would coach the person. I would almost never teach them. I would never say look this is how you conjugate a verb in Spanish. Yeah. Instead, they're going to come to me and the first thing I'm going to say is right what did you do for the last 7 days on your own? What? You didn't do anything? Okay, this session is over. Go back, study every day for the next week and we'll talk again next week. Yeah. Because that that's what's going to make a difference. It's not me saying, okay, let's practice let's practice uh I don't know verb endings in Spanish. It's let's no, it's let's do the work. Let's study every day. Let's practice. Let's do that. I can't help you until you actually do that stuff in the first place. Right. And uh, yeah, it's um but yeah, Sometimes one of the that- big challenges for language schools is yeah. students who are not simply not motivated to learn. And if you're not motivated, you will not learn to speak another language,
1: however many hours of class time uh you you have I know that a lot of good language schools are attempting to incorporate that into their programmes and they focus on student-centred learning and students kind of setting their own aims and having a, a, a sort of a road map that they create themselves and the teachers are there to try and guide them in creating their roadmap and all that sort of thing. So a lot of places do do that, but uh, students need to realise. I remember one particular person I had once, this Korean girl, her parents had sent her to London and they were like, go to London, go and learn English. And um, she went to, you know, she went and the year, you know, whatever it was, nine months, the academic year went by pretty quickly for her. And I imagine probably the first half of the year she was just in shock, like, I'm in, I'm in London, it's different, you know, the weather's bad and I can't find any Korean food that I like. And, um, and then by the end of her... I know a very good Korean place in London. Yeah, me. there are really good Korean places in <laughs> London. In fact, there are really good Korean places all over the shop. They're, they're in the USA, they're in, there's really nice uh, Korean barbecue places in Paris. Love the, what is it, bulgogi? It's delicious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, she. I had her in my class at the end of her time. So I was the last four weeks of her time, and I was doing the typical needs analysis that we do at the beginning of a of a a course, and she was not happy. I really picked up on the fact that she was really not happy, and we talked in the classroom for maybe ten minutes, and she was like really expressing all these problems. And it turned out that she was basically she panicked because she realised I've been here for nine months and uh, my level is not not good enough to impress my parents. My <laughs> parents are going to be so disappointed and angry with me. And she was start she started by throwing it onto me to an extent as a representative of the, of the school. Like how could you let me not achieve my aim? And, you know, partly the school is to blame because we should have recognized it. But then, you know, ultimately she should have she should have taken responsibility for herself earlier in the process. And if she had done, her English probably would have been a lot better. So I suppose that's a that's a warning for both the students, which is that if you go to another country to learn, you have to be the, the one who's in control of your learning. You have to take responsibility for it. And for the language schools, we need to try and identify when someone is not doing that and to kind of, you know, point them in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I'd add to that is, like, for, for students, though, it's not their fault. So if anyone's, you know, listening to this and thinking, like, oh, I've... I've I've just been spending all my money on language schools and I haven't been studying much myself. You know, yeah. it's not it's not your fault because right. because our education system on the whole is useless with languages. We, you know, we we teach languages at school in a way that's totally unsuitable for 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 students that doesn't yeah. doesn't work. Most people now have a have a very negative experience of learning languages at school and the way that languages are taught in most of the schools around the world is a teacher standing at the front and lecturing about mm-hmm. grammar. Let's mm-hmm. learn the present tense today. Let's learn the future tense today, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and so when students come to uh, language schools, they have this experience of learning when they were at school and that's what they're expecting. Yeah. But it's not their fault because that's the way that the system, the education system has, has conditioned them to expect their language teaching to be
1: yeah yeah absolutely the whole world is like that the whole world has this idea of what uh, a language classroom should be yes it's it's very complicated um um, I, I, again, I have loads of things that I'd like to ask you about. Maybe I can just have you back on the podcast at some point in the future, but you know, for example, <laughs> let's just do another one. Yeah. 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 Maybe I, I would like to, for example, ask you about your daily routine. Um, but I think that my, I think that people can find out about those things on your, podcast and your website, you know, about your sort of, uh, um, what your routine is and, and uh, how you spend your day and little ways you find little bits of time to focus on learning vocab or uh, other things like that. Like I've seen you, um, self-talking, is that something that you've talked about? Uh, did I see you talking to yourself
0: <laughs> i don't know if you spying on me i i, uh, I mean talk sure. is something that's great I, I don't it's not something i've talked about a lot but i uh, but i think i have done recently i mean i think the best thing if anyone's interested in in seeing like exactly what i do every day then there's a there's a post on my blog that maybe we can link to in the show notes called yeah. my crazy 5 a.m language learning routine that's it and um there i, I tell you kind of uh step by step exactly what I've been doing recently to learn and uh, a lot of people liked that post I think they liked to see exactly what um what was um what was in it so um yeah if if anyone's interested feel free to check out that post
1: just uh, the thing about talking to yourself I'm not saying that you're, you've been walking around sort of uh, babbling incoherently in public No, but I
0: do that's exactly what I do really <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> one of the things I do one of the things I like to do is is because it's difficult to practice eight languages right so one of the things i'll often do is uh to think of a think of something like say so for example the other day i i met my brazilian friend for dinner and on the way home i he, there was a phrase that he said um something that he said to me in, in portuguese and, and and so what i did i was sat on the tube and i tried to say that phrase in all the different languages i know um and i probably looked like a crazy guy from, from the outside. But, um, but that's one of the things that helps keep your, helps,
1: helps your brain to switch between different languages. Were you saying those sentences out loud? Yeah. So you were just sitting there on the bus on your, were you, sorry, were you, were you on your own?
0: Uh, so, I mean, look, I, I, uh, I don't like to seem stupid to the no, outside. No, no, so, no, so if there's, <laughs> if, if I'm on my own, if I'm walking down the street, then I'll say it out loud. Absolutely. Mm. But if I'm on a train, I'll, I'll do it under my breath.
1: You right. Know, like. Okay. That's what I've, that, I remember seeing a video of you doing, you were sitting on a plane and you were, Oh yeah, your, yeah, your yeah. lips were moving, right? But yeah. you, you weren't yeah. actually saying the words, but your lips were moving. I find yeah. that to be quite interesting because that's like a little technique that people can do. Uh, which means that you know, if you've got some sentences or some phrases, or or even just if you're just creating some discourse, like you just want to practice talking about a subject, and and you're in a public place and you don't want to seem like a crazy person, then yeah, you can just kind of say that. Let your lips move, but you're not actually producing the sounds. It's like you know, it's not this, not as good as proper speech, but it's better than just either reading the words on the page. That you've written down, or just thinking the words, at least moving your lips a little bit, just like these little things that we can do, that can make incremental differences to to our uh, improvement. Yeah, it's,
0: it's it's like it's little and often, you know. I'd always say to yeah. people, you you can do a lot in five minutes, because if those if those five minutes happen throughout the day, then that's a lot of time throughout the day. Yeah. So you can do you can do a lot, and it's all about you know doing a little bit here, a little bit there, and just having it on your conscience and and, um, and just trying to do a little bit all the time and um, making it your lifestyle.
1: Yeah. Really. Now, lastly, like the, the last thing I might ask you, well, I'm going to ask you is, I was wondering if you could give me some advice about my French. Now, on your podcast, as you said, what you do is that people send you questions or voice messages and you sort of respond to those things, giving advice. Now... Um, i'm i'm learning french but i have to say at the beginning that i'm actually very embarrassed about my french and this is part of the problem so can i just kind of tell you a few things about my french and ask you to perhaps give me a a, a bit of advice okay so so i'm not exactly the same as you because learning french is not my main mission um it maybe should be but it's it's not um so um I've got lots of other things going on. I've got my podcast and all these other things, uh, and I have a lot of embarrassment about my French. This it's got to the point where I'm, I'm I'm really quite shy and embarrassed about it. I've been living in France for a couple of years. Basically, my French should be much better than it is, and I, I so that is is weighing on my mind. Also, I'm, I'm very aware of what a bad student I am in French because I'm aware of all these me- metacognitive strategies and how I'm not applying them. So, I'm sort of aware of how unsophisticated my French is compared to my English. I know I'm a bad student and I feel, very, I, I sort of feel a certain amount of shame about it. My French is not improving, but my excuses are getting better all the time. Uh, so, what do you think? How can I overcome these issues that it's not my primary goal. Uh, I'm a very busy person. Okay, I know so that- I've got a question. Yeah. I've
0: got a question for you.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I think what I need to do is uh devote more time every day, and I also need to just think to myself, well, I really shouldn't be embarrassed, I shouldn't worry about it because that's just blocking me from uh, making progress, so I should just. Get rid of any sense of embarrassment and just stop beating myself up about it. And every day, find certain things that I should be doing and just do them and have fun with it and use every little opportunity that I have to practice my French and not feel bad if I make mistakes and have some systematic way of recording and practicing vocabulary. And um, I mean, you know, my wife is French. And our relationship yeah, okay. our relationship is in english you know and we started in english and and so it kind of works in english and we do we we often say oh we've got to speak french and then we do speak french and then something happens something important happens and we switch back to english and you know it's, okay yeah. so
0: so look, i mean i th- there's a f- as you're talking there's a number of issues coming up there i've got a lot um, of issues <laughs> well, so i didn't mean that in a negative no no way, no it's no, a, a number of challenges yeah yeah um the first thing is, I mean, as soon as you said it's not my main mission, right? Right there, that's the main problem. Okay, uh, because your it's you, it's just kind of something that you're putting to the side. Now you don't. It doesn't have to be your main mission in order for you to to learn to speak French well, but you do have to devote a certain amount of time to it. So the first thing that that I'd say is that you need to you need to make some kind of commitment to yourself. You need to shake yourself up yeah. out of whatever you've been, whatever your routine has been for the last however, however long months or years. You need to say, right, something has to change. Just like when you decide one day, right, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah. And I would simply <clears throat> make a small commitment to yourself. And I'd start by saying, right, I'm going to do whatever it may be. Maybe you have a, a textbook that you want to get through and you're going to say, right, I, every morning before work, I'm going to do 20 minutes of my textbook. And then just do that. Get that working and just do 20 minutes of your t- don't aim for like the aim for the stars. Just something simple that you can commit to. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do 20 minutes of working through my textbook every day. And then I would say, right, once I've done that for one month, then I can add something on top. Right. But not yet. Let's start small. Let's just start by adding adding one thing to your day every day where you are doing something useful that you know is going to help you and move you forward. Just to choose one thing and do that. That's, that's all I would do. Um, you know, like for example, I'm on a mission at the moment to get healthy. I, I've been really unhealthy for the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And I know there's two things I need to do. I need to one, go to the gym and number two, eat healthy. Yeah. Okay? But rather than try and do both at the same time, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to leave the the eating stuff till later. Right now, all I'm going to focus on is going to the gym every day. Yeah and so once i've done that for a for a for a month or so then i can start to change the eating and you know get get gradually yeah, better yeah, yeah. so for you simply simply i think for too long you've just been ignoring it so you just have to start adding a little bit of of rigor and commitment to your week and say i'm going to be doing this every day um that's dead easy to do yeah. really you've just got to make the decision to do it the other thing is about um speaking French with your wife. And that is something that many people around the world have a, have difficulty with many, many people marry someone from a different country who speaks a different language and their relationship is in, um, one language and it's very unnatural to speak in the other one. Mm -hmm. My advice for this is always to take your learning elsewhere. Uh. Don't, look to your family to teach you the language because you're mixing up too many emotions and Mm -hmm. practicalities and everything. Mm -hmm. So I'd say look, keep your family life separate, enjoy that, but then go and find someone who you can speak with. Yeah. Whether that's a language exchange partner or a teacher or someone who you can speak with regularly, two or three times a week, and have that as the base as your speaking practice. Mm. Don't mix your family with it because it's too is there's too much, there's too much baggage there. Yeah. Find someone that you can speak with regularly. Um, and that's that can be
1: your your kind of outlet for speaking. Right, great advice. You're right. I just need to make a decision. And it's I guess it's a question of. Well, let's uh, do
0: it right now, Luke. Let's do it right now. Okay. What are you going to do starting tomorrow? What what simple thing can you do, starting
1: tomorrow, um, to
0: start to improve your French?
1: All right. Well, I've got um, I have a, a textbook here. I, I did my wife, being the lovely person she is. Um, uh, a little while ago paid for me to spend some time well, she paid for me to spend some time at a language school and guess what happened I was one of those students that we talked about earlier on um, but I do have a, a textbook from from the, the the school and this is a, uh, a, a textbook um, which I have hardly used at all and it's here and I've got a CD with it and everything so right. what I'll do is systematically go through the textbook um, like you said. So what I need to do is devote, you said 20 minutes?
0: Well, it needs to be something that's small enough that you'll actually do it. So yeah. if, if half an hour is too much, why not make it 15 minutes? You don't have to stop at 15 minutes. Often when I do this, I actually, you know, I say to myself, okay, only five minutes. Yeah. But then as soon as like, getting started is the hard bit, right? So as soon as you get started, you can go on for 15, 20 minutes if you want to, but
1: you say to yourself, all right, it's only five minutes. Okay. Well, what I'm going to do then is I'm going to go through this book and I'll say, I'm going to say 10 minutes at the beginning. So I'll do 10 minutes of of the book and after 10 minutes has elapsed, I can do something else or I can continue. Now, I think what your method is, is that you, you make that a habit. You build habits into your life or you build it into your routine. And after a while of doing 10 minutes, if that is then a a sort of habitual thing i can build some i can just add something on top of that and step exactly. by step piece by piece start to climb up the the mountain as it were it's not a mountain exactly. um, but uh you well, get the it, idea. Kind
0: of, it kind of is in a way but yeah no, but that sounds great 10 minutes every when are you going to do it morning or evening
1: um it's going to have to be evening i think that probably the time is to do it um at about six o'clock is that when you get home? That's often when I get home, or that's often uh, when I'm when I've finished doing my work for the day, and I'm thinking about food, and I'm farting around doing other things. So there's a okay. there's a window.
0: So, so what I would say is I try to have a commitment. So I'd say when I walk through the door at home, when yeah. I get home and walk through the door, yeah, I will take off my shoes, sit down at the table, and open my textbook.
1: Okay. So when I get home, I'll open the door, take off my shoes. Do I have to take my shoes off?
0: I have to. It depends. On how you, uh, I take my shoes off at home. So you, no, just, you don't even have to. I'm just you walk kidding. Through the, walk through the door, close the door, sit down at the table, get out your textbook and set a timer for 10 minutes. Okay.
1: I'm going to do so that.
0: what that does is that gives you something very real. Uh, gives you a time and a place which we call a trigger. Yeah. And then after a few days of doing that, that trigger will become so strong for you that you actually have to make the decision not to do it, which is way harder. So, um, okay. yeah, so do that. Try and keep it up. Don't, don't even add anything else for two weeks. Just try to get that happening for two weeks every day.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. see what happens. Okay, done. <sighs> I'm, <sighs> I'm excited, start, man, that's I great. Start, I have to start today, don't I? You, yeah, well, okay, no, I will, I not, will. Yeah. I'm starting, yeah, today, start starting today, I'm starting today. All right, good, good. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting actually. That's exactly the sort of thing I need, you see, Ollie. That I mean, I, uh, you need someone I, just to smack you, smack you yeah. around the face and say, "Look, just I just need someone <laughs> just to terrible. just go, "Look, come on, wake up." All right. So I wonder if I wonder if my listeners Uh, I mean, obviously, they're probably enjoying listening to me sort of having a a revelation about my language learning and sort of struggling and being embarrassed and stuff. Uh, I wonder if they're enjoying that. But I wonder if any of my listeners also are kind of thinking about similar things that they could do. Maybe they're thinking at this point, all right, maybe I'm going to do the same thing as Luke. I'm going to say, all right, for 10 minutes every day, I'm going to work on one specific thing. Maybe, you know, I'll let my listeners decide what that is. But uh, hopefully my listeners will join me on this. Yeah, I hope so. Why
0: don't we? Why don't we set a little challenge? Have you? Uh, can um, do you? Ha- you have show notes on these episodes?
1: Yes, I do. Can
0: people leave comments on there? Yes, they can. Cool. Why don't we? Th- why don't we do something cool? Why don't we have people say, decide what their new commitment is going to be? Okay. Whether it's okay, I'm going to study my textbook for ten minutes every day when I get home, or I'm going to have three lessons, three speaking sessions every week with my tutor. Yeah. Why don't they, we can have them go to the show notes and you can give people the link and then they can go and leave a comment with what they're going to do. And then I'll come in myself into the comments and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll give people some tips and some advice for how I think they could,
1: they could uh, be successful. Fantastic. So they can leave their commitment, um, their new commitment in the comment section and then um, you can come in and just like add a, little, a couple of little comments just to sort of uh, give them suggestions and things. That would be I'll amazing. That would be absolutely cool. amazing. All right. I know that you've got to go because you've got, you've got things to do. Um, just remind us again how we can find you and your work.
0: Yeah. So the simplest thing to do would be to reach into your pocket, get out your phone right now and head over to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com. And then if you like podcasts, which I'm guessing you do, you can just open up iTunes or whatever podcast app you have and search for I Will
1: Teach You a Language. And you'll find, you'll find the, yeah, the blog and the podcast right there. Great. Okay. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you, Ollie. And thank you very much for your advice. And, you know, I look forward to listening to more of your episodes in the future. Yeah,
0: cool, man. Thanks very much. It's been great fun, great questions. And um, yeah,
1: I hope uh, I hope it was useful for people. I'm sure it is. All right. Well, have a great day. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Thanks, Ollie. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you have it. That was the interview. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to me talk to Ollie. I think you'll agree that there uh, is a lot to learn and to think about from that conversation. Uh, Don't forget to visit the page for this episode where you can find other bits of information, links to many of the things that Ollie mentioned uh, in that conversation. Um, So what about this commitment then, making a commitment to your language learning? Why don't you join me? I'd like you to just think of one specific thing that you can do every day as part of your daily routine. It could be related to pronunciation, vocabulary, grammar, reading, or any area of English that you think is important to you. Um, write your commitment in the comments section of, the, uh, of this episode. Uh, then Ollie will read your comments and give you some personal encouragement himself. That's right. He said that he will write comments to you with some uh, encouragement. For example, your commitment. Uh, could be, as a starting point, it could be, I will read a novel in English for 10 minutes every morning when I get up. Just 10 minutes. Uh, Think of your commitment, whatever it is, and write it in the comments section. Go ahead and give your English a boost. It could make all of the difference. Um, So, don't forget, if you want to check out Ollie's stuff, you can go to his website, um, and that is IWillTeachYouALanguage.com. You can read his blog posts, you can download his ebook, and you can sign up to his mailing list uh, and get sort of, you know, interesting content in your inbox regularly. Or you can just listen to his podcast, uh, which is uh, the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, which you can find in most places like Stitcher, Radio, I think, and iTunes and other stuff like that, okay? Um, also, you can find Ollie on Twitter, And uh, his Twitter handle is Ollie uh, at Ollie underscore IWTYAL. Okay, right. I think that's probably it. We did mention in that conversation um, reading in English and the importance of reading. Now, if you'd like to read a book in English but you don't know which one to choose, then um, I do have a reading list on my website. And that's basically a list of every single book that I've ever recommended or mentioned um, in episodes of this podcast. So uh, if you just go to the menu and where it says uh, audiobook or free audiobook, just put the mouse over that. You'll see another little menu item that says reading list. Click on that and you can see a list of all the titles of books that I've talked about in the past. Also, if you'd like to know more about using mnemonics and memory techniques for remembering vocabulary, you can listen to my episode about that subject. Um, It's episode number 167 and it's entitled Memory, Mnemonics and Learning English. And finally, let me just remind you about the sponsors for this show who decided that they wanted to give my listeners the chance to get $10 worth of free lessons or speaking sessions. Um, So with italki, you can find teachers or native speakers to give you speaking practice from the comfort of your own home italki uses Skype as a platform, and you can pick your teachers and schedule classes based around your specific lifestyle and routine. Um, speaking to native speakers is a vital way of genuinely accelerating your English. Um, and remember that Lepsters, you get a discount if you sign up by going to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk. And Ollie Richards is one of a number of like successful language learners, these polyglots, uh, who... Use iTalki as their way to basically practice their speaking in different languages. So, as I've said before, if it's given, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us. Uh, so that's TeacherLuke.co.uk forward slash Talk. Okay, right. So that's it for this episode. I very much hope that you enjoyed it. I did. I found Ollie to be fascinating and very useful uh, as a person in general. And I'm looking forward to following his advice for my French in the future. Okay. So that's all for now. Speak to you again very soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks again for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.